Adrian and I went on a Jeep tour and some mountain biking and hiking last week, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday up in Moab. And so uh, we were riding in this Jeep and I'm hanging out off the edge where the seat is, you know, it's right down to the road. Well, I lost my phone. And so we get back to the, uh, the place and we try to find my phone on their Wi-Fi and sure enough it showed up. It was back on that road. So we, we went out there looking for it. We're walking all around for 45 minutes and it's right on the edge of the river. <coughs> Couldn't find it. So we go back into town. We stay overnight. We go uh, hiking a mountain bike the next day. We're eating lunch, getting ready to leave. Well, let's just see if it shows up again. And sure enough, it showed up at the same spot. So we said, well, let's go out there again. We looked all around. Still couldn't find it. So we come home. And the next day, I just out of curiosity, let me see if it shows up. It did, and it had moved. <laughs> but it was now at a store. And it happened to be a store that we had gone into. So we're trying to figure that out still. Um, so I called the store. And the lady said, yeah, so we turned it in. I'll mail it to you. So I can see now that it's in the uh, postal service in Salt Lake City. Uh, if you've been trying to call me or message me, uh, I was ignoring you. No, I mean, <laughs> but you can call the church number and get a hold of me. So, uh, Did the recording part get going? Okay. Alrighty, well, um, this week we're going to be in Hebrews, Hebrews 10, so that's uh, almost to Revelation, Hebrews 10, but uh, as, we, as you're looking that up, um, Hebrews was written to Jewish believers who were being pulled back to temple worship and the sacrificial system. And the point is made that if you return to offer sacrifices for sin, for your sins, you're missing the point of Jesus. Totally, because the price has already been paid for all your sins through Jesus' um, atonement, through his sacrifice <coughs> His burial and resurrection. And we cannot add to what Jesus has already done on the cross. That's foundational statement of Christianity. And it's a great thing. When we're born again, when we receive Christ, we don't have to keep doing it. So today's scripture that we'll be reading is a fascinating aspect of grace. Uh, it's the grace that brings the free gift of salvation. It is offered by God and often rejected. And the result of rejecting it is judgment because you've remained an adversary to God, an opponent to God. And today's scripture on grace is not on what grace is or its enduring benefit <coughs> to believers. Rather, it's on what happens if we don't accept it. Grace gives you the choice to accept it or not. And God isn't forcing himself on you. So, you know, today's message isn't hammering on anyone here um, 
you know, claiming that uh, you're not a believer. But what it, what we will see is we're going to have a very strong um, presentation of God's word to us that should inform <coughs> us, stabilize our heart as we go out and communicate God's grace to others. We have to understand the impact of what's going on in the world. So, there's only two choices. The scripture presents it to us. It's either Christ or judgment. And that might sound harsh. But let's see what God says about it. If you're with me in Hebrews 10, we'll begin with verse 26. For if we go on sinning willfully, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severer punishment do you think you will deserve who has trampled under the foot of the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Your translation might say vindicate. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. <clears throat> so let's let's break this down a little bit. Let's ask some questions in the scripture here. What is sinning willfully? What is sinning willfully? Well, willfully is deliberately, with full knowledge, and the particular sin here in this passage is unbelief. Unbelief. The background of this scripture of sinning willfully, it comes from Numbers 15, verses 30 and 31, in the Mosaic Law, where it says, there is no propitiatory offering if you are sinning willfully. Um, that was before the uh, new covenant that Jesus brought. But in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, um, there was no longer an offering for sin. So, if a person rejects the truth of Christ's death for sin, there's no other sacrifice for sin available. No other way to come to God. We have to accept what Jesus has done and that it's done for us and it's the only way. In today's day and age, that's tough. People will not say, oh, give me more. I, I need to hear more of that. Unless they're convicted by the Spirit. So willfully sinning and refusing to repent after receiving the, refers especially to people within the Christian community who have heard the truth and profess to believe, yet don't. They are still willfully sinning. They have not um, surrendered their heart and their life to Jesus. And the fact that they go on sinning deliberately, and again, the sin we're talking about here is unbelief. Even after receiving the knowledge of the truth, indicates that the people in view are not or never were genuine believers. Never having embraced the gospel in a way that resulted 
in a life of faith, obedience, and the bearing of truth. So what is the knowledge of the truth that we read? After receiving the knowledge of the truth, what is that? The truth is knowing that Jesus is Lord, that the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit, and the only way to the Father is through Jesus. That's the truth. So how do we receive this knowledge of the truth? Well, we've heard it. We've understood it. Uh, we've tasted of it. We've experienced it. We know that when we show up here the church, God is here with us. And we experience Him. We experience Him directly. We also experience Him through others. We experience Him through the very words that we read out of the Bible. These words are life and true. So we experience Him that way. So we've received the knowledge of truth that way. Um, we also receive the knowledge of the truth through circumstances in our life. Things that we run into, things that happen to us, things that we do. Um, just a real basic example would be, let's say you have a car accident. And it's, it's horrific enough, and you get out of it, you know you should have died. Um, I, I personally had a motorcycle accident, a drunk driving one, when I was 31. And I, I knew after that, you know, I got, you got my attention, God. I should have died in this one, and uh, you got my ears. But then we've received the knowledge of the truth, and what happens? Do we repent? Or do we just continue on with life saying, whew, that was a close one. <laughs> what is a sacrifice for sins? And why is that important? Why is Paul bringing that up in this letter? Well, that sacrifice that he's speaking of is the shed blood of the Lamb. It's the atonement for our sins. Jesus is that sacrificial lamb. When it says no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, there is no other place for people to turn for forgiveness of their sins. And if they reject it, the one place, the only place, the only person that gives them forgiveness for their sins, where else can they turn? You know, people, they turn to idols, they turn to, you know, thoughts and belief systems, but they they cannot offer what our God, the true living God, can offer. And that is forgiveness of our sins. So what is it referring to when it says a terrifying expectation of judgment and the theory of the fire which will consume the adversaries? That one sounds pretty brutal. But think about it a little bit. We know that there's going to be a great white throne judgment before the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem is presented. And this will be where Jesus is there and, and everybody stands before him. And if their name is not written in the book of the Lamb, they're cast into the fiery lake. 
of health. It, it says um, in 2 Thessalonians 1, Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That gospel is to recognize and believe on Jesus, that he came in the flesh, that he died, he was buried, he rose again, and after 40 days he ascended back to heaven. That's the gospel. That's what we need to believe on. And it sounds too simple to us Christians. We've heard this time and time again. Sometimes it can just, the, the gravity of it can escape us. But when you start to talk to people and you ask them one simple question, and that is, what happens to you when you die? You will see how this, that statement applies to their life, that they need to understand the gospel. What is setting aside the law of Moses? What is he talking about here? Because, you know, I thought we weren't under the law. You know, I've been telling you and telling you we're not under the law. What's happening here? Well, what he's referring to is back in that day, they would worship other gods. They were not worshiping the true God, the one that was going to take them across the river into the promised land, and who did do that, and gave them houses that they didn't have to build and fields they didn't have to create. And for us, we too can be guilty of worshiping other gods. So, let us watch out. So in this passage, there are three indictments. Uh, these are indictments are legal accusations. And what are those three indictments? Just to remind you, um, the three that he pointed out was trampled underfoot the Son of God. <coughs> we, we reject Jesus. We reject what he's saying. We do not receive him as God Almighty. <coughs> Number two is, we regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant. When we insult God by saying that Jesus' sacrifice, his blood, didn't have any power. It wasn't, didn't do anything for me. Um, thank you, but no thank you. i got some other ways I want to go. We are regarding as unclean the blood of Christ. The phraseology meant to make the Jews understand that with the new covenant, the blood of Christ, that was clean. That was sacrificial. In the Old Testament, there were a lot of rules about blood being unclean. So the Jews had to come to this understanding of the blood of Christ. My my translation actually says that it re regarded as ordinary. So taking the basically the power out of it. Yeah, amen. Mm -hmm. So the third indictment is if we've rejected Christ, if we've rejected salvation, we've insulted the spirit of grace. Think about that. The spirit of grace is just another name for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the very spirit of God 
who is planted within us when we become unbelievers. And we've insulted him by saying, thanks but no thanks. I got a better way. So, how does this apply to us in our world? When we're talking to people about salvation, about Jesus, about heaven, and they don't want to hear it. It's thanks but no thanks, maybe even more brutal than that. What's at stake here? What's at stake <coughs> is their eternity. It's not our feelings. Oh, they rejected me. They didn't like my message. Because we tend to think that way. And it can intimidate us in sharing this great news, this beautiful news. So, these three indictments describe the enormity of the sin of unbelief. You understand there's only one sin that cannot be forgiven. The sin of unbelief. Does that make sense? Should I, should I explain a little bit more or does it make sense? Make sense? Okay. No matter what the world tells us, hell is real. Hell is real. It is a certainty for those who have rejected Christ. It is horrible. And people will go there. Do we understand? Do we get the gravity of that? People will go there. Some of our friends, our family, will go there. And sadly, the Bible concludes that more people will go there than go to heaven. This shouldn't be. This shouldn't be. I mean, it's a free gift. It, anybody can accept it. I'm sorry, I do actually have a question. So if unbelief is a sin that's not forgiven, if they decide to believe, that means it will be forgiven? Yes. Okay. Yeah. In other words, you can't stay unbelieving and have it forgiven. Okay, all right. Yeah. Great question. Thanks for asking that. Um, so those who insult the Spirit of Grace, insult the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit comes to us. And he touches our heart. He transforms our heart, baptizes our heart, so that we can say yes to Jesus and go to heaven. So if we've insulted the spirit of grace, those are the people that go to the fiery lake forever. Uh, there's only one requirement for not going there, and it's faith. It's belief in Jesus. And, and those people have not accepted the merciful free gift that Jesus gives us. And as I said, there's nobody that cannot accept it. And it's offered to everyone. So don't rack your brain trying to figure out who has a, a free pass because it was never offered to them. And uh, we do know, we do run into people that are dead set against accepting it. They, they're going to reject Jesus, no matter how, time, how many times we talk to him. But let us. I have a question. Sure. So, as far as um, receiving the Holy Spirit, do you think, or scripturally, is it so when you believe in Jesus, you know there is Jesus and he is your Savior, but do you? believe that you don't may not 
receive, I mean, the Holy Spirit's <coughs> there, but you may not accept it, even though you believe that Jesus is your Savior. Because believing that that Holy Spirit is within you, and I would say personally that happened to me. I mean, I believed in Jesus my whole life, but I don't, I don't think I received or accepted the Holy Spirit until I was in my 40s. So, I well, mean, I felt the true realness. <laughs> yeah. I knew I had that. I think um, the answer to your question would be, um, Scripture tells us upon that moment that we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. So the question really becomes, are we aware of it? Are you aware of it? Um, yes. you're, you're aware of it in one sense, Everybody that's born again would be aware of it in one sense, and that is, and I believe it's Romans 8.15, is that if we were to ask ourselves if we belong to God, His Spirit, which is now going within us, confirm with our spirit, yeah, I know that I belong to God. You may not know anything else. Right. Okay. But you know that. You have that conviction. So, the Holy Spirit, and I, I hope to begin teaching on this a little bit more, not today, but um, but the Holy Spirit, um, you know, does a lot. It's we're not we're going to be up and down. Or we're going to be more obedient and used by Him, and sometimes we're not. And um, the Holy Spirit, you know, still exists all around, not just in us. So there's a lot to learn about um, life in the Spirit. So, but that Romans eight fifteen, I believe, is a scripture. Yeah, that I think that's actually was one of my scriptures during okay. that time. <laughs> All right. Good question. Uh, so those that we run into, and we want to share the love of God, we want them to be saved, and they're dead suddenly rejecting it. Um, they are defiantly sinning. They're willfully sinning. They've heard the gospel, and they've said, no, I don't want it. Um, in that situation, we often have people tell us, well, I just can't believe in a God that sends people to hell. I don't want to believe in a God that sends people to hell. Well, God's not sending them, they're choosing them. <laughs> Amen. But think about this. That God is the same God who says you can go to heaven. Do we want to believe in that God? Yeah, we do. Let's focus on that part. Um, so, I think this is kind of left out of the conversation a lot of times when people say that to us. Well, if you don't want to believe in the God that sends people to hell, how about you believe in the God that sends people to heaven? Why don't you become one? Well, the way I see it, you're going to send yourself to hell if you don't believe in the God. Well, that's kind of what she's saying. You know, as I said early on, you Grace gives you the choice. Mm -hmm. It's up to us yeah. to communicate the gospel to people, but they have to accept it or reject it. We can't do that for them. So, <coughs> today's message has been pretty challenging, right? And, and do we accept the gravity of this teaching? I mean, it's a, it's a tough teaching. And what we know is there is a God. Every one of us here knows there is a God. It's a living God and the only true God. We know that. 
And he has only one unbreakable rule. You have to believe. If you don't believe, if you've rejected, you are willfully sinning, and you've insulted the spirit of grace. So our mission is what? Jesus told us before he went back to heaven is to be his witnesses, to go and make disciples, to cast out demons, to raise the dead to life, and to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which reminds me of an announcement I forgot to make. <laughs> we have a, a young girl that wants to get baptized. And if any of you or you know anybody that wants to get baptized, we're arranging one um, you know, fairly soon in the river before uh, the cold comes on us. Um, so we'll, we'll let you know. But if you know of anybody or you want to, let me know. Uh, so what else are we to do? So this, the mission of this church really is to sow seeds to <coughs> the gospel, like that sower. We are to love others like Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, we know that's a tall order. Because not everybody that we're supposed to love is um, willing to accept it. Yeah. You know, they might make it kind of challenging. But what is love? It doesn't carry. It doesn't give up. And we are to administer God's grace. So, what we see in each one of those mission statements is it's about others. It's about going out and making this out. It's not about just us. How do we feel? What are we doing out of our pleasure? So, we're not to avoid offending people with the gospel. Because the gospel is inherently offensive to those who don't believe. Why is that? It's because we're offending Satan. Satan is working through them, causing them to reject Christ. So the gospel is going to be offensive. So don't let the person's offense intimidate you, realize you're right there standing in the midst of a spiritual battle between the spirit of grace and the spirit of hell. But at the same time, just because we can say the gospel is going to be offensive to evil doesn't mean we have to be offensive. We've got to separate that. Sometimes we give ourselves an excuse to be offensive in sharing the gospel. So don't mix those up. So grace on our part is to accept the sinner into the kingdom. Right? Um, we want to set some qualifications. You know, we've got some rules to be part of this club. Grace says, no, we accept anyone, anyway, because that's what God did for us. We were not all pretty and put together when God accepted us. But the sinner's part of this equation is to accept the grace of Jesus into the kingdom. You might say, well, no, duh. 
But what it means is grace doesn't say it's okay if you stay outside the kingdom. It's okay if you reject Jesus. It's okay if you insult the spirit of grace. You'll still go to heaven. Grace does not say that. We want to be kind and nice and loving to everyone. We want to set those qualifications, but God has set them. And it's up to us to accept them and believe them to an understanding. So in closing, I just want to say I know that today's message is possibly hard and difficult to accept, to understand, hard to hear, because reality hits us in the face in this scripture. But if you struggle with that, let me say to start your faith grounded in this scripture and not the world's teachings. If we find this scripture offensive, we are simply being too influenced with the world's view. So don't let the world make us cower and neglect to communicate the holiness of God, the love of God, and the grace of God. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray for one another.